It was a good performance. We played really well on both ends of the floor. The game felt good, just how we played on both sides. The way we were on the string defensively, our presence on the ball, presence in the paint. And we gave ourselves a really good chance to win the game. It came down to getting a stop, and they hit a tough, contested mid-range jumper. And we clogged the lane up. They got what they wanted. We had a, a really good possession like we wanted. They just made a big-time shot you know, from a big-time player. So it's a tough one to, to let go, tough one to swallow because we played so well and we needed this game. But it's a... Uh, you know, that's kind of been the story of our season. We play well in stretches, and you know we haven't been able to close games out great. You know, it happened again tonight against a really good team on their home floor. Say all these things, but you know we had our opportunities. And we just let, let another one slip away. The game was pretty simple. Defensively, we, we played hard. We got a lot of stops. We had a lead for pretty much the entire game, and it's just closing the games out and finishing. When you're finishing and you're trying to put a team away, it's you gotta, you gotta close them out. You can't just look at the clock and try to just let the game be over. You know, you gotta, you gotta go finish them. You gotta be more disciplined. You gotta tighten up even more. Everything has to go up a level to get the other team to see that this one is over. And we just wasn't able to do that tonight. Hey, Rip City. This is Anthony Simons, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blazer fans, and welcome to The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall. This is your podcast covering all things Portland Trail Blazers and beyond in somewhat short, somewhat digestible bits. You just heard Damian Lillard discussing the Trail Blazers losing 120-119 to to the 76ers Friday night in Philadelphia. If Dame, who takes losing as hard as anyone in Portland's locker room, sounds a bit more dejected than usual in that clip, there's probably a few reasons why. We'll discuss those reasons and consider the returns of both Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic on this edition of The Briefcase. So let's go ahead and talk about Friday night's loss to the Philadelphia 76ers at Wells Fargo Arena in the city of brotherly love in the fifth game of a six-game trip. I think if you looked at that trip before Portland went on it, you would absolutely pick the game versus Philadelphia as probably the most difficult game on the trip. Sixers, one of the odds on favorites to win the championship this season. So when you look at all the teams on this trip, that game, I think the most difficult one. And yet it was the game in which Portland played their absolute best, the best they've played in some time. Obviously, return of Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic having a lot to do with that, but yet they still weren't able to come away with the win. One point loss, despite the fact that they led for almost the entirety of the game. So let's go ahead and talk about why that one felt a little worse than maybe it should have, especially considering how well they played and how close they were to getting that victory. First off, while no competitor is going to be happy after a loss, dropping a game which you only trailed for one and a half seconds, which was the case for the Trailblazers Friday night in Philadelphia, is going to be especially tough to take. After losing games on this trip to the Hawks and the Celtics, which weren't really all that competitive at any point, to lose arguably the most difficult game on the trip despite dictating the action for almost the entirety of the night is a significant gut punch. Games where you come out and get blown out or where the other team is just obviously the better team, no one's happy when you lose those games, but you kind of understand it a little bit. It's a little bit easier to move on. When you play a team like the 76ers in their building, you dominate the action for almost the entirety of the game. Literally, you're either leading or tied for 47 minutes and 58 seconds to not win in a game like that 
is incredibly difficult to get over, but the Blazers are going to need to do just that because they can't let the way that that game ended affect their performance in their games going forward, particularly the game versus the Pelicans on Sunday afternoon. Both teams are fighting to get into or stay in the race for the play-in or the playoffs, and while the Trailblazers are already up against it in their last 15 games regardless, games versus teams that are near them in the standings, as the Pelicans are, are basically must-wins at this point. So losing Friday's game the way that they did, that's the first reason why that one felt a bit harsher than I think a lot of losses typically do, even at this point in time in the season. Secondly, Friday's loss was the 16th time this season that the Blazers have lost a game in which they led by double digits. Portland led by as many as 21 points in the first half, and while those kind of first-half leads are commonly overcome in the NBA, they did have a 13-point advantage with less than six minutes to play, which should have been enough to come away with a win, even against a very good team like the Sixers on their home court. The Blazers managed to hold off repeated rallies by the Sixers, but in the end, they couldn't hold off that one last push, which was capped by Joel Embiid hitting a fadeaway foul line jumper over Yusuf Nurkic with a second and a half left to play. I think people generally make a little bit too much of the whole losing games after leading by double digits thing because that does happen quite a bit in the NBA. As in, being up by 10 in the first half and then losing a game, it's not exactly uncommon in the NBA, but there's no real way to defend losing a game with as large of a fourth quarter lead as Portland had on Friday, and especially considering where they're at this season, what the stakes are to lose that game when you're up 13 points with less than six minutes to play. There is no real good excuse for that. Again, I think that sometimes it gets made a little bit too much of, but that is not one of those cases. You are perfectly validated in feeling bad about the way that that game ended because they really should have won that game. And guys in the locker room know that. And finally, probably the most frustrating part of Friday's loss was that it was yet another missed opportunity to move up in the race for the play-in. And with so few games remaining, losing a game on the road versus a difficult opponent to fall to 13th in the Western Conference rather than jumping up into 10th constitutes a significant missed opportunity. And like Dame said, that just seems to be one of the defining issues of the Portland Trailblazers in the 2022-23 season. They get their campaign off to a great start. They're unable to take advantage of that. The rest of the team struggled to pull away from the pack, yet the Blazers are never really able to move up to take advantage. And then over and over and over again, they've found themselves in similar situations to Friday night, like the game at home versus the Lakers, or the Clippers, or the Magic, or the Nets, or the Nuggets, in which they would have won if they had just done a better job down the stretch. Those are the games that are the most difficult to get over, and they've happened over and over and over again this season. I think losing that way takes a toll, not only just on your overall mental well-being, but on your psyche when you're in those situations the next time. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain extent. And unfortunately, with just 15 games left this season, I don't know that there's any way to kind of fix that. But it's difficult to be a team that's going to make improvements, particularly when you're at a bit of a talent deficiency, if you're not able to close out games. And the Blazers, for whatever reason, just haven't this year. Which is one of the reasons why, after 67 games, the Blazers sit, as I mentioned, in 13th in the Western Conference standings with 31 wins and 36 losses with 15 games to play. The Blazers are 15 games behind the Nuggets in first, three games behind the Mavericks and the Warriors, who are tied for sixth, two and a half games behind the Timberwolves in eighth, two games behind the Lakers in ninth, and one and a half games behind the Pelicans in tenth, which is another reason why losing Friday's game was so frustrating, since if they had pulled that game out, they could have passed the Pelicans by winning their final game of the trip in New Orleans on Sunday. As for the stats we've been tracking all year, the Blazers are currently 7th in offensive rating, 27th in defensive rating, and 24th in net rating, all of which are basically unchanged from the last time we checked in. Offense is good, defense is bad, and that's about the story of Portland season so far. As for the betting markets, the Blazers did do something Friday night that they've rarely done this season, which is covering in a loss. 
Portland is now 33-33-1 this season versus the spread, thanks to covering in three of their last four games, including Friday's loss, in which they were 8.5-point underdogs and ended up losing by just one. However, they were 9.5-point underdogs and ended up losing by 22 to the Celtics on Wednesday night. That's typically what happens. Usually, if the Blazers win, they cover. If they lose, they don't cover. So losing and covering on Friday night, as they did, is something that I think they've only done two or three times this season, which, if you're a Blazer fan, probably doesn't make you feel any better about it. But if you're a Blazer fan who had money on the game, maybe that one goes down a little bit easier. As for the season over under, the Blazers will need to win nine of the remaining 15 games in order to surpass the 39.5 win projection set by various sports books prior to the start of the 2022-23 season. And considering the difficulty of the remaining schedule, they only have one game remaining versus the team that's below them in the standings, it's starting to get more and more difficult to see how they're going to end up hitting the over. And it's especially disappointing considering they were a quarter of the way to hitting the over after just 14 games this season. Fingers crossed that everyone who took that bet ends up cashing, but the prospects get slimmer and slimmer with every single loss. Going back real quickly to Friday's loss, while it was certainly a bummer, it should be noticed that it was still one of the best games Portland has played since defeating the Grizzlies in Memphis back on February 1st, thanks in large part to the returns of both Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic to the lineup. Nurk, who missed over a month with a left calf strain, actually made his return in the loss to the Celtics on Wednesday, while Simons returned to the lineup in Friday's game after missing seven of his last eight games due to a grade two ankle sprain. Simons did play in the March 1st loss to the Pelicans at Moda Center, though he left the game early after re-aggravating the injury. This time, though, the team was able to get the 6-4 guard more time on the court before rejoining the starting lineup, and that approach worked with Ant putting up 34 points on 13 of 22 shooting from the field and 8 of 12 shooting from 3 to go with 2 assists and a rebound in just 29 minutes. He is still on a minutes restriction. I imagine he will be on a minutes restriction for a couple more days, as is Yusuf Nurkic, as I understand it. It was the first time that the Trailblazers have had a rotation of Dame, Ant, Matisse, Jeremy, Nurk, with Cam Reddish, Andrew Eubanks, and Shane Sharp all coming off the bench, and it looked great especially after watching Dame struggle with double and triple teams since he put up 71 points in his first game after the All-Star break, having another ball handler out there in Anthony Simons, having another guy out there who can create a little bit in Yusuf Nurkic, really taking some of that load off Dame. And the result of that was Portland ended up turning the ball over just nine times, though too often in the fourth quarter. Dame with a couple really tough turnovers late in the fourth quarter certainly didn't help them with that one. They were only out-rebounded by six, which is a triumph considering their lack of size recently, though they still gave up way too many offensive rebounds. Particularly, there was one possession where I think they gave up like five offensive rebounds, resulting in a 76er score. Those are the kind of plays that are always demoralizing for a team, particularly on the road. Dame was able to play make. He finished with 11 assists, which is just the second time in the last 16 games that he'd finished with double-digit assists. And Ant was able to do the same to a lesser extent with Nurk, who had five assists Friday night, acting also as a facilitator. So not only was it great to get both Ant and Nurk back, but if you really want to bright side that loss, if Portland had shot 25 of 30 from the free throw line rather than 20 of 30, they'd probably end up winning that game. So if you're able to play the way that they did Friday night for the final 15 games of the season, the play-in, and maybe even the playoffs are a real possibility. But Portland's margin of error is razor thin at this point. So if it's going to happen, it has to happen now. They have to string together wins and quickly, because if not, the math starts to get very difficult very soon. 
And since Anthony Simon's return is one of the main reasons why the Blazers at least have a glimmer of hope going into these last 15 games, let's go and hear from Ant himself about returning to play, what he did to better prepare himself this time around, seeing how differently defense is attacked him when he's not able to play, being one of the veterans on this team at the ripe old age of 23, how he thinks he's played this season, and what the Blazers need to do in the final month in order to make the postseason. Take it away, Ant. So, Ant, how how is your your ankle feeling? No, I feel great. Um, you know, I think you know this time we we were extra extra careful um, to make sure it was it felt it felt good. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, obviously I took it in, you know about four or five games off, and then um, you know I wanted to play a couple of times, and so um, I've been you know playing live for the past three days before today, and um, you know I want to see how I feel out there, you know that type of contact, um, you know, playing and stuff. And then I felt fine, and I was like, I'm ready to play then. How was that different than maybe when you when you came back for that one game? Like, was that, um, like, a little bit of quicker? Maybe you hadn't had as much of a ramp up? Or? Yeah, I, I don't feel like I just had enough, you know, had enough time to, to see how it feels when I play live. I didn't play live at all during that time. I was just working out, trying to work out hard as I can, trying to simulate what I would do in the game. Um, but obviously nothing is like actually playing. So I, you know, gave my chance to give myself a chance to play a little bit and then um, see how I feel after that. And then after that, after I felt, you know, confident enough in my ankle to go out there and play, then I decided to play. Obviously, I'm sure you'd like to have come back sooner too, but I think when we initially saw the injury, I think a lot of people were like, oh boy, you might be out for a month, yeah, for sure. two months. Like, were you surprised how fast you were able to come back? Um... I knew this is it, it felt like the worst one I've had since I, in my whole career for sure. Um, I didn't. I thought it was going to take a little bit longer because sometimes like I had ankle injuries before. Now I bounced back in like two days, and so like or even a day, and so um, you know I knew I was going to come back faster than than normally like what anybody else would do if they can't have a grade two in the spring. You know, obviously, the, just the, the recovery process of getting strong again and being confident in it and making sure that you're all right is, is, is probably the main part about it. The fact that you injured it right before the All-Star break, it gives you a little time to heal without having to play, but also it kind of takes away your All-Star break a little exactly. bit. Like, did you end up doing a lot of rehab during your break? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was in, I was in Phoenix, Phoenix, and then, you know, luckily, um, Cruz is, is from Phoenix, and he was there for All-Star, so I was able to get in with him and do stuff. Um, during my, you know, my little mini vacation, so um, that worked out perfectly in general. So that was good. I would have liked you've gotten to go on vacation too, Ant. But you know, yeah. the fact that you get to miss games, I guess, is a good thing too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm glad that it was right before the All Star yeah. break for sure. That I didn't have to miss too many games where it was like we in the middle of this road trip or something and it happened, and, it was, and I got to miss a period, same period of time. And you know, what I mean, we in a we in a we in a dog fight right now, so it never be a bad timing. But um, you know, I'm, I'm happy the way I recovered and, what, you know, kind of feel like I came back at the right time. Yeah. Watching the games you've been sitting out, particularly the way the teams are playing Dame right now, do you watch it and be like, man, if I was out there, like, they wouldn't be able to do that? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, just, you know, it takes a little bit of pressure off of them um, when I'm out there because, I mean, like, we kind of both similar similar way to the, the attention is being brought to us. So um, I would say definitely... You know what I mean? See them out there. I mean, obviously, it's, it's already tough on them how teams are playing them. When I'm on the court, you know what I mean? When I'm off the court, it's going to make it that much tougher. And you can see it. You can see it that, you know I mean, he's you know, getting tired faster than usual. He's just fighting fighting through, you know, how Dame is. So, you know, you just, you just kind of a little bit feel bad. Like, yeah. damn, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta get right. 
go help my man out out there. So um, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. On one hand, I, I know the, your main thing is like, boy, I wish I was out there. But is there any part of you that's like, this team really needs me? Because like, if I was out there, you wouldn't be able to throw a box and one at Dame if you were out there. So like, I imagine in just maybe a small respect, it's like it's proof of how far you've come that teams can play so aggressively on Dame when you're not out there because they can't do the same thing when you are out there. For sure. I mean, you look at it like it's, it's a kind of annoying how teams play you but at yeah. the same time you look in the back of your head like it's just a respect thing like they know what you can do they know what you're capable of so you can't see it I mean obviously it's annoying like you want them to play you want them to play real soft on you so you can you know get going but um, at the same time you know like you know I mean that's the kind of I guess the kind of level that you reach as, you know as a player that you know teams are doing everything possible to not get the ball in your hands at all and let anybody else beat you literally like just sell out on sell out on me and Dame or something like that so um no it's it's been it's been fun like kind of going through it and, and learning from it at this point obviously you guys are right up against it you know you're trying to make the play in if not the playoffs kind of what do you guys need to do in this next 15 games in order to to kind of make that push because i think now you know you get nurk back you're back i think people look at the situation and say like hey if it's gonna happen like now is the time yeah i mean you gotta go all out i mean it's just it's playing desperate um playing every possession like it's the last and you know just going in there playing hard every single possession and um you know kind of living with the results there and making sure everybody's you know ready to go playing confident playing hard and um you know playing together and i think we can live with the results if we we collectively do that each and every night in these games and um, you know see where everything falls how would you kind of sum up your season so far this year and you kind of first year like starting alongside dame like how do you feel like it's gone for you i think it's gone pretty well yeah. i mean it's a lot of obviously gonna be a lot of obstacles going away you know first time starting like you know seriously and obviously first time starting long dame i didn't really realize it you know until my like my people talk about my parents like i was like I've only been starting for a year now, and it's crazy um, how much you go through in a matter of a year and different things you see. So, um, no, it's been fun. I mean, obviously, you know, there's frustrating times, good times, but I think, you know what I mean, without the frustrating times, I wouldn't be able to know what I need to get better at and how to approach, you know, each and every game in it, you know, the next season as well. So, you know, I look at it as, you know, I, I think I've, I played well, matter of fact, of how they've been playing me and how I've been trying to you know, learn on the fly just like that and learn through each and every game while trying to win and then trying to become, learn as a player and grow as a player. So, and the season falls and I'll be able to say that I, I did everything I could to, to be the best player I can be. And we talked about this before, like, you're still a young man, you're still a young player, but now you got kind of you got 19-year-olds, you got you know, just turned 21 today, you know, like, how has that been being more of a veteran and a guy who's been with the team for a while amongst a bunch of guys who haven't really necessarily been with the team for that long? Um... It's been interesting. Like, uh, I mean, you you feel like like you feel like you're one because you're around the same age as them. But at the same time, like basketball years wise, you kind of know a little bit more because you you've experienced more. So um, yeah, like I just kind of try to play that in between game where it's like obviously I'm the same age, so I understand what they're going through. Each and every player with not playing or you know, struggling coming off the bench as a young player, and the, the leash is short on you, and you understand everything that they're going through. So. You kind of try to help them through that, and, you know. Continue, let them continue to pump confidence into them. Like you're all right, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like we don't expect you to play perfect every game at all. Like if you're a young guy, you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna yell at you for the mistakes, and you just gotta learn from it. And just you know, learn from it and, and and brush it off. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's the biggest thing as a young player is to 
because the, the the leash is, is is so short that it's, it's it's small room for error. But you know you're gonna make them. So and they understand they're gonna make them, but they just want you to. Everybody wants you to pick it up yeah. and make, you know get things faster. But um, you know you gotta you gotta run your own race. So um, I think that's the biggest thing. I'm telling just continue to stay the course, keep working hard, um, listen to listen to everybody on the team, the coaches, and um, try to get better from there. Great stuff there from Ant. Happy to have him back. I know the team is obviously ecstatic that he's able to come back and play as well as he did in his return. Again, you would much rather have won that game on Friday, but some reasons to have a little bit of optimism going into these last games from what you saw in that game on Friday. However, we've seen that before, and then it didn't necessarily translate into better play going forward. It will have to this time, or else Portland's season is going to be shorter than anyone would like. And that's going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, the Blazers play the Pelicans in New Orleans Sunday night, which is where I'm at right now, by the way, before heading back to Portland, where they will play eight of their next nine games before heading out for one last extended road trip. So get to the Moda Center for that if you can. Also, a reminder that the public memorial for Bill Shonley is on Monday, March 13th at 4 p.m. at Memorial Coliseum. So if you can make it out to that, I would definitely recommend you do so. RIP to Dottie as well. Thank you for joining me on this edition of The Briefcase. We'll be back with new episodes early next week. Take care and go Blazers.